Good evening, family. Hope you all had an absolutely beautiful day. Hope you had an absolutely great week and you've got some uh, plans just to maybe sit back, relax, spend some time with some family this weekend, do something that makes you feel good, guys. Just uh, 
take some time, relax, get into some scripture, do something awesome. This is Kilted Christian, episode 531. I have called this one Turning Bad into Good, something I've been kind of contemplating over the last couple of weeks. It's just uh, I hear talk to a lot of people that are going through the big trials and tribulations that we're kind of collectively going through together, but then we're all dealing with our own little things. And that's one thing is that everything that we deal with on the earth is from perspective. Um, nothing is in black and white, although the devil would love you to think that everything's in black and white. It's not. And sometimes bad things are good and sometimes good things are bad. So we're going to be talking about good circumstances and uh, bad people becoming good. So it's going to be a, a good topic once we get done with a little bit of news. Once again, Kilted Christian episode 531, turning bad into good. Let's get to it. We are many nations around the world, comprised of many cultures but we stand together in a battle between good and evil. We are the seekers of wisdom, the bringers of truth, the hands of heaven, and the voices of reason. As the world tries to divide us by our differences, we only grow stronger as we are bound together as the children of God. And for those of you that I did not get a chance to say hello to in the opening, God bless you. I'm so thankful you were here. Don't forget to go back and uh, check out the uh, official Godcast that came out earlier this evening. I always catch up with mine after the show's on Friday. So don't forget to see that. Good to see Ron Johnson in here. And Ron, um, I got to reach out to you this week sometime and see if you want to come on Kilt the Christian with me. I'd love to sit back and have a good little chat with you. But all the rest of you, I hope you had a good week. Like I said, we're going to have a good conversation tonight after we get done with a little bit of news because there's a lot of crazy news going on in this world and it's going to get crazier. So where do we start? Well, let's start here with uh, Senator Blackburn. So, uh, and, and I'm glad, like, she seems to be one that seems to be honest. I know she's um, had some problems in the past, but it's always a deep state that seems to be going after. So she's one of the people that I haven't thrown out of my trust bucket. Um, she's not, I don't completely trust her, but I always like what she has to say, at least here, too. So Senator Blackburn talking about blue cities welcoming illegal immigrants. Listen to this. You know, with this wide open border, one of the things that is concerned to us is the way these blue cities that are losing population are welcoming illegal immigrants into their community. Now, why are they doing this? It is because when you get to the census, what they need is people who are going to replace the people that have chosen to vote with their feet and leave these cities. So, to the big blue cities, the big blue states, sanctuary cities, this means keeping congressional seats and keeping federal dollars. So I'm so appreciative that Senator Haggerty is pushing forward, bringing this legislation and calling attention to the fact that as we do the census, that these individuals do not need to be counted as citizens of the United States. Yep, and you that's know, just one of the reasons right here, but she's, she's right. Um, you know, they're not citizens. They're not legal citizens of our country. They should not be registered on the census to be part of that, especially when it comes down to voting. And a lot of this is, and the big problem that we've got, um, first off, is all the people that she was talking about that have been leaving these blue cities and these blue states. They're moving to red areas, but what are they doing? They're bringing their politics with them. So they're running away from a problem. Things are too expensive. Immigrants that are coming in there, um, homeless all over the place. So they're running away from one problem, and then they're coming to these red places, and they're voting the exact same way that they voted in the place that they just ran away from. So you, you can't fix a problem by doing that. So 
anyone who's running away from these states to get away from things, don't bring your politics to that new state. Wake up and realize what you're running away from and make some change in that new life that you're trying to get for yourself. And then once again, like she said, um, as well as they're trying to replace the people that have been moving away from these cities because that's why they're trying so hard to uh, get us off of the uh, constitution of the uh, republic and getting us into the democracy is um, they count on that. A lot of people all crammed up into one big city. That's where all the liberal progressive uh, values are. And they keep on pushing it. But that's the thing is that these people, these states, these uh, cities are empty and out at, at this point, And they're just trying to replace them. We got to stop it. And it all starts with stopping our border, which uh, it looks like people are starting to step up and do a little bit. So talking about the good sum of all fears. Um, just then, so the United States is to station nuclear weapons in the United Kingdom for the first time in 15 years. Pentagon documents reveal. So uh, here we go. Some of all fears. Um, why are we moving nukes around right now? What do you guys know that we don't? Like I said, they're either going to push us into one war or the other. Whether it's going to be a world war, whether it's going to be a civil war, revolution, whatever. They're gunning for this right now because they want as much chaos and disarray as they can get before this election so that they can uh, – um, basically do what a true patriot said last night, martial law. And you know they're going to use that card. Um, next, uh, there is a trucker convoy of uh, predicted 700,000 truckers joining to take back our border. And this is um, not only just the United States, but apparently Canadians are coming down and enjoying or, and joining the convoy, which I believe wasn't supposed to be uh, heading out until the end of this month for at least another couple of days. But it looks like the convoy has already started, at least one from Oklahoma. I saw some video footage today of, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was 20 to 22 militias from different states are convoying together, heading down to that border as well. So we're finally getting people to do what we've been calling for for a long time. Um, I just hope that it's not too late, and I'll get into that uh, here in a little bit. So I'm going to play this little clip for you real quick. Once again, the trucker convoy of predicted 700,000 truckers joining to take back our border. How awesome would that be? To me, that number seems a little high, but boy, I would love to see that. Let's talk about this trucker convoy. You just a moment ago. So this is called Take Our Border Back. It kicks off Monday. So you've got multiple starts. You've got trucks leaving from Virginia Beach that are going to go through Texas, Arizona, California. On the website, it describes the event as, event as a peaceful assembly, encouraging all freedom-loving and law-abiding Americans to attend. I saw that you posted on X to raise awareness about that. You obviously just mentioned it a moment ago. I understand that you're going to be speaking once they get to Eagle Pass. Uh, I also see that, you know, that it's going to go through Yuma. It's going to go to San Ysidro, California as well. Uh, 700,000 vehicles. That's the prediction here. How do you keep that, well, peaceful and on track? That's a lot of trucks. Well, the people that have organized this are the same people that went from California to D.C. with the truckers. Uh, I understand we're going to be joined by Canadian truckers. So these people uh, are committed to a peaceful demonstration that we've had enough. The American people have had enough. We're demanding that the Biden administration do its job, enforce the laws on the books, and secure our border. Eight million people during the Biden administration, uh, that's more than the population of Ohio. Uh, this is the time for us to rise up as the American people and demand that our president do his job. Uh, this should be a peaceful movement of the American people joined by other uh, nations if they want to come. This is the Canadian farmer, uh, trucker. 
This is the German farmers. This is the French farmers. This is the Dutch farmers. This is a movement well beyond the United States that people are simply tired of the overreach of their federal governments. And we're pushing back. Now is the time. So, you know, I agree with him 100% about what he's saying. This is our right. We have the right. This is how you get things done passively. But I'm going to go back and I'm just going to um, quote uh, one note and Ron Johnson, which I agree with 100%. So one note says, um, the same people who ran the last convoy in America, good people tied up with controlled ops as a dangerous border. No, thank you. I agree with that 100%. Don't think for one second that they're not going to try to uh, January 6th. And I'm going to go back to what Ron Johnson says. Um, would hate for this to turn into another January 6th with all the feds there looking, um, you know, looking at the barbed wire. And you both bring up really good points. And that's one thing that really concerns me is this is exactly what we need to do. This is what has to happen. We need to gather in the numbers and we need to do this, as he said, as a uh, peaceful protest. The problem is they're going to try to do exactly what they did with January 6th. They're going to have uh, infiltrators in there. They're going to have uh, Black Lives Matter, probably some Antifa mixed up, dressed up like uh, MAGA supporters again. They're going to have whatever. I can't remember the name of that that group of feds that runs around trying to pretend to be a bunch of patriots. I can promise you they'll be there as well. But this is what they're going to do. So, you know, I'm definitely not saying uh, don't show up, but I am saying don't show out. So if you go there, um, someone said in here last night, they made a, it was a good point. Make sure you're filming constantly. Like, make sure you've got loads and loads of film. If you do go there, just as protecting yourself, go out and go to Walmart and purchase one of those Vivek GoPros, one of those really inexpensive ones. They cost like 20 bucks. You don't have to have like phenomenal 1080p quality. Just get yourself a 720 or 1080 for 20 to 30 bucks and have that thing running nonstop. So, you know, it's basically, yeah, like dash cams. Exactly. Um, those things are really inexpensive as well. So there are options, and I would highly recommend you do what you can. Like Steve says, go down there, protect yourself. The very least you can do is protect yourself with video so that you have recording going all the time. Um, if you are armed, uh, be very careful. Remember, Texas is an open carry state. You don't have to you don't have to have a license to conceal anything. We have the right to carry. Just be very careful because they will try to pull anything that they possibly can. We're in some very, very dire and rough times right now. Um, especially the closer we get to this election, the closer, the, the more Trump gets off with things, the crazier they're going to get. We talk about more crazy Trump stuff here in a moment as well. Um, so next we got uh, the FBI staff knows what's coming. So this is interesting. This came, this was by uh, some ex-feds. Um, so these aren't people that are actually still involved in our FBI and so forth. Um, but this is what they came out and said. They said, Dear Speaker, Senate Majority Leader and Chairman, as former senior executives of the Federal Bureau of Investigation with deep experience um, combating dangers to the nation, we write to express our concern about a current specific threat that may be one of the most um, um, pernicious ever to menace the United States. The danger arises from the nature of the threat itself. Wars and espionage and bombings and riots are sadly familiar delivery system of instability, intimidation, insecurity to the country. Um, so the threat that we call out today is a new or is new and unfamiliar. It is a modern history of the U.S. has never suffered an invasion of the homeland, and yet one is unfolding now. These are military-aged men across the globe from countries and regions that are not friendly to the United States and are landing in waves on our soil by the thousands. 
not by splashing ashore from a ship or parachuting from a plane, but rather by a foot crossing our border that has been accurately um, ad- advertised around the world as largely unprotected and ready um, for them to cross. This thing goes on and on, but they're literally calling out um, what we have been calling out for a while. And like I said, these aren't current um, feds. These are um, ex-fed um, people that have been involved or, that were at FBI and different of our uh, DOJ that are coming out and saying what they have had and some of the reasons they left. So they're literally calling out exactly what we have been saying um, about what this uh, invasion really is. And it's not, like I said, it's not a migration. It's straight up an invasion. And we all know that. So next, uh, this is from Ann Bandersteel. She says, if Biden federalizes the Texas National Guard, he will in that moment become what he accused Trump of being, a fascist Nazi dictator. Because if you are a law-abiding citizen of Texas, you are entitled to the protections laid out in Section 4, Article 4 of the U.S. Constitution, Defense from Invasion. Texas National Guard is the first of that defense. I can't understand how a president can cause harm and pain to its own citizens, yet think he's on the right side of history. I just don't... um, I just don't know that the do-nothing GOP had any better wake up and remove this guy before he destroys our legacy forever. Um, And it's not just him that we need to remove. We need to remove a whole lot of people. But she's also right. By doing what Biden's doing, um, just like everything else, um, he's doing exactly what everyone is accusing Trump of doing. Every single thing they've accused Trump of doing that Trump did not do and had no plans on doing, they have done absolutely every bit of that since the resident and chief um, or since Biden became our resident and chief. So uh, next we got um, this little speech right here. So this is a black Fulton County resident leaves County board of commissioners in stunned silence after calling out election interference, Fanny Willis corrupt affair and their faces as the residents um, are appalled. So uh, I'm done with the Fulton County fumbling of our elections. Listen to this uh, little clip right here. Good morning, Commissioners. Derek Blassingame. It is a clear, it is a pleasure and an honor to, to address you all today. Some of you all have made the comment this morning on my way here that he's done, he's through, it's over. Well, I want to let you know that Derek Blassingame, I'm done with Fulton County fumbling our elections. I'm done with the gross mismanagement of our taxpayer dollars by the Fulton County Democrats on this body. I'm disgusted at the information that is coming out of the district attorney's office as a taxpayer. I am done with most of your silence at the DA's apparent love affair with the special prosecutor and gross mismanagement of taxpayers' dollars to pursue what appears to be a frivolous lawsuit based off of partisan politics. Apparently, guys like me need to court Fulton County female executives if we want a free ride at all paid expense. Wow. (laughs) Apparently, we need to pursue Natalie Hall and Fonnie Willis or maybe the executives in other departments if we want a full ride and full pay. The DA appears to be trying to protect past elections, but upon information and belief, she's trying to interfere with future elections by trying to convict a candidate before the general election. I'm requesting a financial audit to be done by the county auditor of the district attorney's office immediately. There is no way that you get more money when you're spending money, allegedly, for unnecessary and frivolous purposes. Also, these judges need to hire a lobbyist instead of grandstanding this board with these mediocre public relations stunts. 
Magistrate Court still needs a systemic boost and an IT transformation that's been achieved by the Superior Court clerk. It needs to be pulled together. 15 seconds. Thank you. Finally, I'm urging you to appoint Julie Adams to the Board of uh, Registration and Elections without delay. And uh, we, need to, we need somebody that's transparent, that's open, and that can be open-minded to all concerns and can address the people's needs. I also want that audit of the uh, DA's office immediately. So good for them. And a lot of people came out and spoke up very similar to the way that he spoke up. Today, the uh, Fulton County Ethics Commission has filed uh, paperwork right now to, to begin the investigation into uh, the Georgia State Senate and uh, Fannie Willis. So um, this one right here is from Chuck Lesto. Uh, Georgia State Senate just voted to create a special committee to investigate Fannie Willis. So it will be surprised. Um, there's going to be it will be comprised of uh, three Democrats, six Republicans, and will have full subpoena power with the ability to demand testimony under oath. The votes were 30 to 19 in favor of the special committee. So um, at least they're looking into that one. They're looking to a lot of things. And I played that little clip last night, um, played a clip last night of a Leo 2.0 who is talking about uh, talking about these as well. So uh, so that's good news. Like I said, at least um, they're starting to make some moves, and a lot of these court cases are going to end up getting thrown out. One that didn't get thrown out today, which we'll be getting to here in a minute, was that um, Jean Car e. Jean Carroll, man. I cannot believe that she got away with that. But once again, it was in New York in the Democrat, or excuse me, I guarantee it was a, a full Democrat jury. Um, so this is a D.C. Drano. Uh, barely any major media outlets are covering the border showdown between Biden and Texas. Only the social media is covering this. So that's how you know that this is a huge political liability for this regime. They don't want voters to know the Biden regime is fighting to flood our country with illegal um, aliens. So I'm going to play this little clip right here. This is a separate clip. Um, there is a couple of uh, there is some language in here. Just a pre-warning for that. But this guy is dead on. This is kind of what we've been talking about the last couple of days about how this is a lose-lose situation for Biden, which makes this pretty desperate. And uh, you got to question what they're willing to do at this point. Y'all recognize that Biden is fucked when it comes to this Texas border stuff, right? Like, there's really only two ways that this can end. And both of them are horrible for Biden. Like, scenario number one, Biden backs down. State of Texas permanently takes over security at the border. The mass influx of illegal immigrants is stopped. And Biden looks like a bitch because he becomes the first president to get pumped by a state and back down. Texas will approve that they don't have to listen to the federal government. Oh, and that would further embolden so many other states. Not to mention Texas might as well be a sovereign nation at that point because they've proven that they're in charge. And then anything Biden does from there on out for the rest of his presidency, nobody cares. Because are you really president of the United States if most of them aren't listening to you? Or scenario number two, Texas backs down and Biden wins. And we watch on national TV as the federal authorities go in and forcefully remove the Texas National Guard, young men and women in uniform being pushed aside by the powerful federal government. And then we watch them cut the border open and hundreds, if not thousands of illegal immigrants pour across the border, proving what we all already know, that Biden wants an open border. He doesn't want to enforce our immigration laws. Oh, and then I would kill to watch Corrine Jean-Pierre try to explain that one. Or watch Mayorkas try to sit in front of Congress and tell us how the border is secure. And then I would also expect an impeachment trial to be coming pretty soon. Because it is the president's constitutional duty to provide security at the border. And we would have watched on national TV while he did the exact opposite. 
I mean, shit, the case for his removal doesn't get much easier than that. Either way, Biden's fucked. There is no positive way out of this for him. The best part is that while both these scenarios are horrible for Joe Biden, you know who they're good for? Yeah, the dude that's going to beat his ass in November. I can't wait. So he, that was really well said. He actually brought up a couple of things we've been talking about the last couple of days about there's only two options, and, and they're both uh, losing options for Biden. Like They literally put themselves into a corner. They painted themselves into a corner, and there's no way to get out of this without leaving footprints all over the place. Um, so like he just said, the A, the two options are uh, um, Texas ends up standing their ground and, and uh, the federal government backs down. And then every other state's like, we don't need you. And, and he's like a moot president like we've always thought he would be anyways. Or like the second one that he just said is uh, Texas backs down and then we end up proving that our government wants open borders anyways. It's straight up a lose-lose situation, um, 100%. This guy is dead on right. So uh, we'll see how all of this plays out um, here in the coming week, coming days, coming weeks, coming months. Um, but this thing's going to kick off pretty quick because, like I said, uh, the our federal government, our deep state, um, has a big decision to make. And like I said, this is going to be exactly Bob. Bob says days, and I'm kind of on, on that right there with days, especially with the big groups that are going down there. Um, something will be coming up with definitely within the next days or so. I'm sure we'll be talking about this next week. But yeah, this guy right here, um, he he was dead on with, with that assessment. And like I said, I mean, there's a point here. It's hard to find um, anything right now without people cursing it because everyone's so fed up with everything. But I completely understand as well. So I'm going to play this little clip right here. This is a Tucker. It's a little bit longer. But the American Templar Knights truckers are riding to take back the Holy Land, Texas, from the swarthy invaders. The state of Texas appears to be on a kind of collision course with the Biden administration, with the federal government over the southern border. Can it be protected or must the invasion continue? The Supreme Court has waited on this to some limited extent, but it hasn't solved the problem or answered the question. So what happens now? Things are moving very quickly and it seemed like there was no one better to tell us what the future may hold than the attorney general of the state in question, Ken Paxton, who joins us now. Mr. Attorney General, thank you so much for coming on. So that that's the question. Where where does this go? It, it's, it seems like there are two large forces speeding toward each other. No one's swerving. What happens, do you think? You know, I don't think anybody knows exactly what happened because we're in uncharted territory where we have a federal government that is largely not just ignored federal law, not just ignored their constitutional role to protect the state and the country. They're actually participating with the cartels and bringing people here as fast as they possibly can. I just don't think we've ever seen anything like this in our country where we have a federal government not just not doing their job, but affirmatively working with bad people to do bad things to the country. I just, I don't remember anything like this. So can, can I just ask you stuff there? Since you're a law enforcement, you're the chief law enforcement officer of your state. Can you assess whether what the Biden administration is doing now is strictly speaking criminal? Are they breaking the law in how they're handling the border? I, I think they are. I mean, they're taking federal law and dismantling it. It's, it's, he has a constitutional duty to implement what has been put in place by the elected representatives. Yes. And he's just not doing that. And he's making up his own rules as we go that allow the cartels to gain a foothold, a strong, really strong foothold in the United States, not just in my state, but really across the, they're building a network across the country so that they can keep doing this well after Biden's gone. 
So uh, just to like the next few days or weeks or months or who knows, the Biden administration has effectively threatened your state and said you've got 24 hours to do something. What are they demanding that you do and where does this go short term, do you think? You know, I'm not I'm not exactly sure what we're supposed to do. I mean, is it we're supposed to let them uh, help them cut down wire and fences? We weren't ordered to do that by anybody that 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 I know of. And so we have no obligation to help them violate federal law and we're not going to do it. And I don't think Abbott's going to give in. I certainly don't plan on giving in. So they're pushing us to help them and we're not going to help them violate federal law. We're going to try to defend our border the best we can with the resources we have. And, you know, my job is to do it in court. Abbott has other resources at his disposal, and I hope he uses every single one of them to stop this. There's not one power center in this country, the media, the government at all levels and both parties. Big. Yeah. So this is what's happening right now. And uh, and like I said, I'm glad that there people are actually out there talking about what's going on at the border. And Texas is not backing down. Matter of fact, uh, our attorney general put out some stuff today. Um, our, our governor um, is talking about this as well, saying they are absolutely not going to back down. So what is Biden doing? So today was the day at one o'clock this afternoon was the deadline of when they were supposed to, you know, basically stop protecting our border and let Border Patrol do our job. But the Border Patrol actually came out today and said that they are standing with Texas. So the Border Patrol is working with the National Guard. They're not working against the National Guard. So fortunately, the good people that are still in Border Patrol are doing their job and they're not listening to what Biden's trying to say. So what did Biden do and, and, and the Biden administration do today as retaliation? Well, the Biden administration has now officially paused approvals of new gas export terminals. So the president says um, the government would analyze impacts on climate, the economy and national security before approving new projects. So they're basically um, hitting Texas in a financial way. And not only is that hitting Texas, but it's hitting states like Kentucky and and multiple other states as well. Um, I'm a little a little. less disgusted with our Kentucky government today because at least our attorney general here in Kentucky came out and said that we, regardless what our governor says, we here in Kentucky do stand by Texas. So we have now officially been put on the standby Texas list, regardless um, of how our governor feels. So I'm glad to hear about that. Um, Cause yeah, we are we're a Republican state with a, I'm not even going to say what I want to say, but he's not a good man running for governor or as our governor, he needs to be removed already. Exactly. Despite fraudulent Bashir, who, uh, yeah, we, we know how he got in there. Um, so next, uh, this is just, it gets crazy and crazy. So last night I played a clip from law and order that literally summed up word for word, what this uh, lawsuit that E. Jean Carroll is putting against Trump about being, about supposedly Trump raping her inside of a dressing room in a high-end um, store, blah, blah, blah. Literally, word for word, came out of a Law & Order episode, which I played for you last night. So the judge threatened to lock up Alina Haba. So Alina Haba is the um, attorney for Trump um, on all of these things that have been taking place in New York, not just the Ejean Carroll, but the other stupid, pointless trials that they're putting Trump to as well. So she seems to be pretty on point. So uh, the judge threatened to arrest her for trying to show the court um, unhinged post from the Trump uh, accuser, E. Jean Carroll. So Donald Trump was prevented from using his accuser's posts in arguments today in court. 
this is what court is all about. It's about proving your innocence, um, or at least the other people proving that you're guilty. And in this case, she didn't. She had she couldn't remember the date that this happened. She couldn't remember the time, roughly the dress that she was supposedly putting on hadn't even been created for another couple of years. So like everything about her story was just a complete lie. Um, so then they wanted to go through and use some of her uh, interviews that she had on one of them was on Anderson Cooper. Um, some of the tweets that she's been putting up because it shows her character. Um, at, at the very least, it shows her character. She got on uh, Anderson Cooper and was talking about how everyone in this world, whether they want to admit it or not, sees rape as a fantasy. She literally got on there and said it, it was so awkward that Anderson Cooper, who isn't a good guy himself, literally you could see, I don't know, he, he couldn't have gotten out of there any quicker. And she is dumb. Great, great publicity. She is dumb as can be. So unattractive. Like there's nothing about her and one bit that would have said Donald Trump hooked up with her. Matter of fact, um, he probably like turned her down a hundred times and this is just little retribution. But apparently, um, apparently, uh, what was, I can't even remember her name. Um, anyways, one of, uh, Trump's advisors, uh, her husband, they just got a divorce. She was a, a lawyer that was working for him. And her husband was the one who was an anti-Trumper who supposedly came up with this whole game plan for this lawsuit at a party um, coming from that that clip that I played for you um, from Law & Order. So here's some of the uh, some of the tweets that they tried to show in court that the judge refused to let them exhibit. But like I said, this would have been something that would have really stood up and helped Trump. But of course, the judge couldn't have that because he needed the jury to give her $82 million or whatever is what the decision ended up being. So these are some of the tweets um, from Ejean Carroll. One of them, it says, sex tip. I learned from my dog when in heat, chase the male until he collapses with exhaustion, then jump him. That was one of Ejean Carroll's tweets. This is, this is a lady accusing a man of rape. I just want to, you know, put that out there again. Here's another tweet says, how do you know that your unwanted sexual advance is unwanted until you advance it? All right. Um, here's another one. Would men have invented chastity belts, veils, and crocs if women weren't just unbelievably hot? Honey, you were born to seduce. Uh, next one. There is such a thing as a, or there is no such thing as a slut, only sexual geniuses. Uh, another one. What can be done about the penis? It gets large when you want it small. And it stays small when you want it large. Um, the next one is, uh, it's not the most beautiful women. No, no. It's the women who makes the least mistakes who seduces the most men. These are all tweets that came from Ejean Carroll, the woman who was accusing Trump of violating her. And she literally, in multiple cases, admits to that being a fantasy of her. So at the very least, um, you know, and then remember, this is a defamation suit as well. So she ended up getting that money. Like this woman, she's got no reputation, zero. No one cares about her. Everybody knows she's a kook. I'm going to say it. Sue me all you want to, Jean Carroll. You're a kook. You're a wacko. I'm going to say exactly what, what Trump said that you sued him for. So he called her a wacko, and that's what the defamation suit was about. But the woman is as wacko as can, as can be. She's got a cat named Vagina and another cat named Tits. Pardon me. This woman, this is how, like, nutty this woman is. And then there was another um, – there was another uh, woman, or excuse me, another tweet that she put up where she was like, what are you guys watching this weekend? I'm watching my favorite show, 
The Apprentice. So let me ask you guys something. If you got violated in a dressing room some 20 years back, would you call the show that your quote violator was running your favorite show? I would do everything I could to get them kicked off a of TV. I wouldn't definitely wouldn't sit down and watch the show. And I certainly wouldn't call it apprentice is my favorite show. So like I said, this woman right here, the one who's accusing Trump of violating her literally admits to apprentice being her favorite show. Um, 15 years or 10, 15 years after she supposedly got violated. Exactly. Montana dude, that face is the face that I'm making right here. You guys just can't see it. Cause I'm not a video show. But that's the face that I'm making right now. Um, so she ended up getting $82 million, okay? So we've got uh, Jeffrey Epstein and all of the the Johns that, that bought or purchased from Jeffrey Epstein. They're still running around here. Meanwhile, the people that they violated, the children and kids that they violated are still out there. None of them have been compensated. None of these people are in prison. But hey. This woman right here who didn't have any facts, who had zero evidence, basically just made up a story, ended up with $82 million. Loving our country right now, guys. Loving it. So next, uh, um, fed up black Chicago residents and lifelong Dems sue Democrats and win after stripping their taxpayer resources for illegal immigrants. The president could have stopped this. So this is uh, some of the black people speaking in Chicago about what's happening right now. I think I'm frustrated with all of it, all the way down from the president. I'll tell you why. Because the president could have stopped it. This should not be on the backs of the people here and draining our resources. That's just one of the powerful voices, one black resident in Chicago who's had enough of Joe Biden's migrant crisis, and she's not alone. Another Chicagoan is telling the free press, quote, this is Kata Trust, quote, there's a humanitarian crisis in the black community, but every time we have a need in our community, we're told that there are no funds there's no money for us. Now they're suing to stop a local field house from becoming a shelter for illegal migrants. Here now the author of the article, the Free Press staff writer, Olivia Reingold. Olivia, good to see you. Thanks for being with us. So tell us more about what you learned uh, on this issue, on, on the migrants in Chicago uh, as part of your story. Well, first, um, <clears throat> a positive update, which is the city of Chicago. I asked them for comment. They said they have officially backed off of their plans to convert this field house into a migrant shelter. Um, but what did I learn on this story? I learned that these are all people, these are all lifelong Democrats. Um, you know, I spoke to a former Obama intern, someone who grew up canvassing for the NAACP, um, pro-reparations voters. And these are people who feel completely betrayed by the Democratic Party and would like to be Democrats, but just cannot get behind what they stand for these days, especially on immigration. I want to fully recognize that we are all profoundly pale people. And we're talking about this issue that is impacting the black community in Chicago, but it impacts everyone in this nation. And I think that that's the point of your article. In, in New Hampshire, the voter analysis has come out just like in Iowa. Number one issue is immigration. It is a wide open border. And, but do they understand that in order to reverse this devastating policy that is at everyone's doorstep, 
they have to vote differently in these national elections. This is not about Brandon Johnson. This is about Joe Biden and all of his cronies. I am not quite sure that everyone gets that um, quite yet. I think that there are two camps. I think that there are people, everyone is definitely certain that they are not going to vote for the same Democratic leaders, again, locally. But nationally, um, probably only about half of people say, I'm going to sit uh, the presidential election out. And I did even speak to a few people who, in a matter of months, went from, you know, full-blown Democrats to now Trump voters. I think it's fascinating that they say, you know, you always tell us when, when we need something, we need some help, that there's never any money. But all of a sudden, all of this money is flowing to migrants and how far they'll go for non-citizens. But when your own people are struggling, there's no cash. So I asked this question again. Are they getting so desperate that they're making these stupid mistakes? Or are we watching a movie and they are actually doing this stuff to wake people up? Because it's waking people up. If you listen to what they just said, the people that were speaking at this meeting were all Democrats. Some of them were aides to, to Obama. So um, these are, you know, and I, and I always say, you know, you get what you vote for. And I know not everybody voted for this. I feel terrible for the Republicans that end up in these situations because of all the corrupt uh, elections that are going on. We, we were just talking about that here with our governor of Kentucky. Same exact thing. You know, so people are waking up quick. Everything that they're doing in order to go after Trump is absolutely backfiring. So much to the point where it's not people aren't just not voting for Biden. They're pushing them over um, as Trump voters right now. So once again, the closer and the closer and the closer we get to this election, um, like I said, the, the 80 million or whatever that voted for Biden, we, we know half of those people were dead. The other half were probably from other countries or duplicates and so forth. That's why I'm not worried really about a civil war against the 80 million Biden voters because we know at least half of them were in the graveyard somewhere. So there's nothing to worry about. Then, then like I said, some of them are duplicates and the rest of them are two two wearers um, that are going to come out with super soakers. So nothing to worry about on our end. Like I said, we're not going to hear we're not here to start a civil war, but we'll certainly end one if that's what it comes down to. But I'm glad to start at least seeing people waking up to this. Um, and in this case, like I said, this is all the uh, this is a lot of Democrats that were speaking at this because they're even getting tired of it. So the next one, um, this is uh, Nikki Haley, and I'm going to read the response to this. So Nikki Haley says Donald Trump wants to be the presumptive Republican nominee. And we're talking about 83 million in damages. This is talking about the verdict today for the Ejean Carroll case that Trump has to pay her 83 million in damages. So we're not talking about fixing the border. We're not talking about trafficking or tackling inflation. American could do better than Donald Trump and Joe Biden. So that, that was what came out of the mouth of uh, Nikki Haley today. So here's the reality. Reed Hoffman, Reed Hoffman was the one who was funding Nikki Haley, or was. He actually has uh, stopped uh, giving her money after she lost New Hampshire. But nonetheless, Reed Hoffman was funding Nikki Haley. Reed Hoffman was funding the anti-Trump lawsuit that was with E. Jean Carroll. So he was the one who was funding the case that just happened today. Also the guy who was funding Nikki Haley. Um, if Is it any surprise Haley is cheering on Biden's lawfare against President Trump? Haley's entire campaign is built on hoping that Biden's weaponization of this justice system is successful. And he's right. That's a, um, Jason Miller was the one that wrote this, and he's 100% right. That's exactly what Nikki Haley is doing. And she's going to hang in there until Super Tuesday, hoping that one of these cases puts Trump into jail. But I've got news for Nikki Haley. 
Not going to happen. And if Trump ended up in jail, just like myself, many people would write Trump in. I think that would be absolutely the, the most hilarious thing ever is if Trump ended up incarcerated and still ended up winning that damn election if they had one. That would be awesome. Um, so next, uh, and I can't do it between this guy. I can't stand this guy. This guy falls into my category of like John Podesta, one of those really creepy guys. Um, this is California Senator Scott Weiner. What an appropriate name. And what is it about that, man? I mean, Anthony Weiner, Scott Weiner, they're both just like, like crazy, gross, cringy pedophiles. So, uh, so anyways, proposed California bill would electronically restrict cars from going over the speed limit. So California Senator Scott Weiner is introducing a new bill or a new set of bills to make streets safer across the state um, by basically locking people's cars so where they can't go over the speed limit. So, you know, the whole point of this, and this is the reason why connected technology and vehicles was a bad proposition. It's all about controlling you. So at the very least, what are they going to do? They're going to keep you going 50 mile an hour and a 50 mile an hour, you know, you're no, no longer passing cars. If you're late for work, you're going to be late for work. Um, not that I'm saying going out in speed, but we shouldn't have our vehicles controlled. And then you're dealing with the fact is they could just shut your car off completely. You know, so if you, if they start putting these uh, carbon credits or stuff out there and they're like, well, Mr. Duncan, you've already had two hamburgers this week. So uh, we're going to have to not let you drive your car today in order to make up for the carbon that you've already spent eating those two burgers. This is where this is all going. Absolute 100% complete control, which is one of the main reasons that I'm against the whole electric vehicle to begin with. And I will never give up my um, combustion engine. Never. Matter of fact, uh, I'd love to find myself an inexpensive, uh, good old carburetor vehicle. So if we get an EMP, I'm good to go. Um, so next, uh, killing the next generations. Abortion was the leading cause of death worldwide in 2023. All right. This number is, is tear jerking. 73 million abortions last year in 2023. Once again, abortion was the leading cause of death worldwide in 2023 with 73 million people. That is horrifying. And, you know, the fact that it's happening is one thing, but the fact that there's people out there that are accepting this, which is a whole different story, and it just drives me up the wall. Um, <clears throat> so listen to this BS. It should be criminal for pres or for press secretary to the president to lie to the American people, and I agree with this. This right here is a clip. It's amazing how many lies they fit into a 30-second clip. Listen to this. This is Jean-Pierre Cabbage Patch. And inflation is falling under President Biden. Okay. Inflation, not falling under President Biden. Uh, inflation, matter of fact, is uh, double what it was. Inflation remains double what it was when Biden took office. Inflation has now fallen back to pre-pandemic levels, and the economy grew 3.1% last year. Okay. That's a lie, too. Um, she brags about wages. Wages are 2.5% lower under President Biden, or resident Biden. Stronger than during the Trump administration. At the same time, wages and household wealth are higher than before the pandemic. In 2023, we also saw prices fall for key household purchases like gas and milk. Okay, and that was a lie too, because overall costs right now are up 17.3% under Biden. Eggs, toys, appliances, and airfares. And inflation. So literally everything that she just said, 
was a complete lie. Exactly, Tammy. What is she smoking? Maybe if we were smoking what she's smoking, we wouldn't be so so upset about what's going on, man. But it's unbelievable. So it was like one lie after the other. And I'll, I'll go through and I'll read these lies to you again because I wrote all this stuff down. So Kareem Pierre claims, A, inflation has fallen back to pre-pandemic levels. Inflation remains double what it was before Biden took office. Brags about wages being up. Well, wages are 2.5% lower under Biden. And then once again, overall costs are up 17.3%. That is including gas. That is including groceries. That is including everything that you need to buy just to have a living, not even including the fun stuff that you use for entertainment and stuff like that. So, you know, everything they said was a complete lie. Thank you, Biden, or thank you, Obama, for the Smith moot. We need to remove that stuff ASAP. People are waking up quick. I'm tired of the lying. So a third batch of Epstein documents have now been released in New York. Um, Hillary Clinton was named in this third batch. So we finally got Hillary Clinton's name um, on more Epstein documents. But once again, those things are just slow rolling out. People almost forgot that they were even releasing those because they never released what we were actually waiting for. So we need to keep on uh, laying the pressure on all of our senators and our congressmen. Hopefully they'll listen. I, I can't tell you how many times I've written Senate and Congress. I never get a response or anything back. So I don't even know if they receive my emails. I've even written like handwritten letters. That way they have to go all the way out and throw it away. But yeah, crafty nut, drip, 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 drip is 100% correct. So this one's crazy too. So there was a video that was going around of a lady who was in a grocery store, like a Walmart or something like that. And she had her little boy... Um, the kid, maybe two, three years old in nothing but a diaper. And it looked like he was wearing a, a trash bag that somebody put on him to keep him warm. Keep in mind, like, you know, it's in the twenties around this. I think this is in North, like maybe, um, you know, during the cold area, this is in Mississippi actually. And uh, it was during the freezing, um, cold front that we just had through. So the lady is literally, the kid is shivering inside this grocery cart, sitting there in a diaper and a trash bag. People are calling her out going, listen, you know, what are you doing? Why is this kid not wearing any clothes? She like is in the um, frozen food aisle, grabs a bag of uh, French fries and then just tosses them on her little boy. So the kid's already shivering and freezing inside this buggy. And then she's all getting huffy and puffy at the people that are calling her out. She just throws a big thing of cold French fries. You guys know how cold those bags of fries are when you pull them out of your freezer. So the kid's sitting there shaking. Um, People are coming around like crazy. This is all, this is like a black Walmart. So all the people that are confronting this black woman are all black people. So it was awesome. She couldn't go say, Hey, you're being racist or anything like that. So literally a handicapped woman comes around the corner in her little, uh, Walmart, uh, you know, go-kart or whatever those things are, little, um, you know, mobile shopping carts. And she went and she purchased this little kid, a hoodie, some pants, a little sweat outfit, and then I uh, went back around to the store, found this lady, and then dressed this kid up on her own accord, out of her own wallet, and put clothes on this little kid so he wasn't freezing. So this woman ended up walking away from this. But I've got some good news. Officially today, the Mississippi mother who went viral has now been arrested. Um, she has been uh, put in jail. Uh, Karima Darby was arrested by Mississippi police after a two-year-old son needed paramedics' attention for freezing and shaking. Darby has since been compared. She compared herself. Listen to this. This is how bad it gets crazier. Darby has since compared herself to Jesus in a Facebook post saying she was being, quote, 
done like Jesus. So the boy was taking the child protection services, which I'm against anyways, but in this case, the mother wasn't any better. Um, but fortunately, she was later released with relatives, um, two siblings and the grandmother. So Darby is facing up to six years in jail if she is convicted for neglecting her child. Darby claims that she did nothing wrong. Quote, they did Jesus the same way. He felt sick to his stomach as well. He didn't want to go through what he went through, just like me. And I'm not going to go through what I go through. My village ain't going to play about my, my three-year-old. Neither do I. Again, I can't say everything is a legal matter, but my kids are not a charity case. They are not neglected, and I am not mentally ill. Well, you'd be better off if you were mentally ill. You know what I'm saying? Because at least you'd have an excuse for why you're toting your little three-year-old kid around in a diaper when it's 20 degrees outside. Like I said, I'm going to go back to the beginning of this where it says that uh, um, she was neglected and paramedics had to um, give attention to this kid for freezing. Um, you know, so unbelievable. I mean, and what a crazy world. Like you figured that a parent would love their kid, but you know, she was more interested in herself and what people were saying to her than actually, um, going through what she did. So unbelievable. And it's so sad, but I'm also, like I said, I'm, I hate the fact that child protective services has this kid, but at least I think they did, they, they did give it to family. But once again, unbelievable. People just have lost their damn minds. Apologies. Um, so next, uh, today, Biden and Harris administration announced a temporary pause on pending decisions of liquefied national gas exports with the exception of um, unanticipated and immediate national security emergencies. So um, this is uh, Representative Harriet Hageman says, uh, I'm not surprised that this disaster of a president is trying to destroy the nation in the name of um, the religion of the left, which is climate change. The left will never say, okay, that's enough. Common sense must win out because the radicals will not stop. And he's 100% right. So because uh, Texas was doing what they had the constitutional right to do, protecting their own citizens and their own state from an invasion, the administration of the Biden administration has to get back at them by uh, making these kind of deals right here. So they're going to hit it, but like I said, it's going to backfire. Um, states are coming together. Like I said, we're, we're over 50% of our country right now. It's about a little bit over 50% are supporting Texas right now. So I'm glad to hear that. So once again, um, and this woman says, wow, is this a good idea? So I'm going to, I agree with her. This is Mila Joy. And I, I agree with her question. Is this a great idea? Um, volunteer militias from at least 25 states have begun traveling to Texas in support of its National Guard. Do you stand with Texas? Well, I think it's awesome that they're doing so. Um, the 26 states is okay. So it's 26 states is uh, what Bob is saying right now. Um, in this case, 25 states have uh, been traveling down there uh, with their own state militias, which is good. But once again, she asks, is this a good idea? Well, we know that at the very least, our uh, government is going to use this as an excuse to go after patriots again. So if you go down there to the border, if you guys are standing up and you're protecting our borders and keeping the immigrants away, be very careful. Once again, like Steve said earlier, protect yourselves. Make sure everything's being filmed nonstop because you got to have some proof. We've seen what the January 6th did. We've seen how this court works, so we just need to be a little bit more responsible, or at least protect ourselves. Um, uh, J.R. Majewski, I love this guy right here. He's going to be running again um, up in Ohio, and if I was up in Ohio, I'd certainly support him. Um, he's a good guy. Matter of fact, he was one of the uh, he, he ran uh, last 
last time he came down to the border and visited me while I was down there, um, while he was kind of running around the country, uh, you know, supporting Trump. So he says that Reed Hoffman is the propaganda partner of George Soros, and he's funding the witch hunt against Donald Trump, which he is 100%. This is the same guy who became the billionaire matchmaker for Jeffrey Epstein and enabled his lifestyle of pedophilia. So once again, Reed Hoffman, the guy that we were talking about earlier, who funded the E. Jean Carroll case, who's funding Nikki Haley, who's funding a lot of these other cases against Trump, also became a billionaire matchmaker for Jeffrey Epstein, which allowed Jeffrey Epstein to live that pedophilia life along with what he's doing. So this guy falls right up into it as well. Um, then we got uh, Jack Pozosbiak says, uh, she claimed Trump raper. She had zero proof. He said that he didn't do it, and now he's guilty of defamation. Are you paying attention yet? And then Raheem responds, uh, it cannot be stressed enough. She alleged the rape in a public place 30 years ago, but provided zero evidence. Her story was remarkably similar to the plot of uh, uh, Law and Order, which I played for you last night. Um, the dress that she claimed to be wearing hadn't even been designed at that point. She's sex obsessed and continues to talk about how sexy rape is. Her case was thought up by George Conway. That's who it was. It was George Conway, who was uh, Kelly Conway's, um, I think it was Kelly Conway, whatever. Uh, she was one of the Trump's aides um, at Molly Young's fast um, house party. So he was the one that came up with this idea about the law and order story and the whole uh, rape accusation against Trump. Her case was funded by the Democrat Jeff Epstein buddy Reed Hoffman who was supporting Nikki Haley, and like I said, her, quote, reputation expert admitted to having no experience in reputation repair during cross-examination. She was also found to be a Democrat donor, and honestly, that's just scratching the surface of this debacle of a case it just went through. Um, like I said, it was nothing but just smoke and mirrors. Ended up, um, like I said, this is all trying to damage Trump's reputation, but it's not damaging at all. All this is doing is helping him. So um, now I'm going to play this little clip for you real quick. This is the interview on Anderson Cooper that uh, Ejean Carroll did. So a jury in Manhattan just ruled that Donald Trump must pay $83 million um, to this rape is sexy woman. Listen to this interview. This is crazy. And I wish you guys could see the video and see Anderson Cooper's face. I feel like a victim. I was not thrown on the ground and ravished. Which the word rape carries so many sexual connotations. This was not. This was not sexual. For it just it it hurt. It just what it just you know. Well, I think most people think of rape as a. I mean, it is a violent assault. It is not. I a think sexual. most people think of rape as being sexy. Mm. Let's take a short break. Think of the fantasies. <laughs> let's let's take a short break. We're just going to take a quick break. If you can stick around, we'll talk more on the other side. You're fascinating to talk to. <laughs> Wow. I mean, Anderson Cooper's face was so uncomfortable. And, and I'm going to play that, that last little clip. L listen, to, listen to his pause. He couldn't have gone to commercial quick enough. Not I think sexy. most people think of rape as being sexy. Mm. Let's take a short break. Think of the fantasies. <laughs> mm. We're just going to take a quick break. If you can stick around, we'll talk <laughs> He sounds like that. Like Daffy Duck or something like he, he couldn't get his thoughts together. He didn't know what to say. And like I said, he could not have gotten the commercial quick enough. 
and it was funny because in the original um, interview, when they came back, they went to a completely different topic. He wasn't going to um, take the chance of, of her getting back into the, well, rape is sexy comment that she just made. Once again, this woman was the one who accused Trump of raping her, but yet rape is sexy. A jury found her <laughs> to, to be right, and Trump is now have to give her 83 million bucks. Unbelievable. So he said it. Joe better know. If you're going to mess with Texas, count us all in. And this is uh, another African-American um, Texan, right? Or actually, he's not even a Texan. He's from another state saying we're going to support Texas. Ooh, I love me some Texas. They holding the line. That's what I'm talking about. The president said, no, let the Border Patrol get on the, on the border. Texas said, fuck off. We're going to protect these people. Now, let's see. If Mr. Biden gonna want to go and attack the American people, huh? Do he want to do that and end his political career? I don't think so. But just know this, Biden, just because you're going to Texas, us and other states are going to come and join and help Texas. Just know that. (laughs) That was a preacher, too. That was a preacher. Um, Like I said, people are getting fed up, man. And uh, the country, look. I'm not, I got to give it to Biden. And you're you're not going to hear me say this very much. You're not going to hear this come out of my mouth very much, but I will give this to Biden because when Biden came in, he did promise that he was going to unify our country. I don't think this is what he had counted on. Um, Every evil and tyrannical thing that he's doing is ultimately starting to unify our country. So he, he, like I said, it, it backfired. It wasn't the unification he was looking for, but at the same time, man, it's maybe one of the few times that he told the truth. People are coming together against him so uh next uh once again breaking news truckers descend on america next week i've been informed that there's already thousands of participants um that are heading down to the border so uh the convoy next week and the truckers from canada will also be joining so this one right here says see you there but then laura logan came back in and points out the same thing that we've been talking about be aware numerous sources indicate that the federal government is planning to try to make this another fake insurrection and go after people in the convoy the same way that they targeted people for exercising their constitutional rights on January 6th. So they are already tracing and tracking people through their phones, their iPads, etc. So um, part of that, I'm sure, is remember the other day they came out with that list of uh, things that you would purchase with your credit cards um, that would go on a list, basically make the FBI aware. Some of those things, you know, were anything patriotic, purchasing ammunition, guns and stuff like that. Bibles was literally on that list as well. So they're tracking you by your credit cards. They're tracking you by your phone. They're tracking you by your iPads. Um, The feds are already keeping an eye on the people that are heading down there. So once again, just be responsible, expect the unexpected, expect the fact that our government is in fact going to do what they can to uh, make this another January 6th. Um, so we'll, I'm looking forward, and like I said, is uh, when we get back here next week, I will talk about the uh, New York City court um, releasing and unsealing the new Epstein documents. So once I get my hands on those, I will bring those back to you next week. Um, and a quick reminder what I'm thinking about is remember – um, next week, we start going on at 9 o'clock Eastern time instead of 1030 Eastern time, except on Monday, because uh, remember, Jay Wu's got his show on Monday at 9 o'clock Eastern. So on Mondays, we'll be going on at a regular time that we have been going on 1030 and then every other day will be 9 o'clock. So we'll be getting here a little bit earlier. So next, uh, 
and Tucker. I got to give it to Tucker too, man. Uh, once again, don't know how trustworthy he is all in all, but I do like some of the things he's saying. In this case right here, he brings up a valuable point about how they're using the gospel to try to squash the gospel. Their attack on your rights, which is an attack on you and your children, is cloaked in the language of therapy, self-help, and compassion. You're doing this for the common good. Don't you care about the elderly? And of course, being a decent person, you care very deeply about the elderly and the weakest in your society, of course. So what you don't realize is you shuffle off to abandon another God-given right to a totalitarian government is that this is not being done on behalf of a marginalized group or the weakest among us or the elderly. They hijacked the language of the gospel to crush the gospel. That's exactly what they're doing. And he's right. They are literally, I, we've talked about examples of this um, on this show multiple times that they're, they're using the gospel to try to squash the gospel. So what are they doing? Is they're taking scripture, they're taking gospel and they're redefining it and telling you what it means in order to door people or to pull people away from the reality, the truth of Christ and so forth. And I've seen many, many examples of this more so recently, even to the point where our church are being infiltrated too. So they're using gospel to squash the gospel. And he makes a good point there. Um, uh, great Papa Steve. Yeah, Jeff isn't going to be back every day, but Jeff will be popping in here um, again starting next week. Like I said, we're going to go a little earlier. It's way more convenient and uh, for him because he wears down late at night. So, uh, yeah, he will be popping back on more uh, starting next week. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, so uh, I love this too, as Alina Haba came out, um, the attorney for President Trump, and tells exactly what happened, like literally went off on, on the people after because she was gagged and couldn't say anything. So she waited until the trial was over and then ended up coming out and speaking up. So I'm just going to play a little quick part of this. No, no. I'm glad you asked me that question. No, I'm not having any second thoughts about representing President Trump. It is the proudest thing I could ever do. What I am having second thoughts about is the license that I stand here with that the people in there are supposed to have. I have not spoken because I respect my ethics while I'm on trial. But let me now speak about what has happened. I have sat on trial after trial for months in this state, the state of New York. Attorney General Letitia James, and now this. Weeks. Weeks. Why? Because President Trump is leading in the polls, and now we see what you get in New York. So don't get it twisted, whoever asked me that question. I am so proud to stand with President, President Trump. But I am not proud to stand with what I saw in that courtroom. I'm not finished. Let me just finish, and I'll take questions, please. Before I walked into court, that judge decided that every single defense President Trump had, we were not allowed to raise in front of the jury. It is in writing, and I encourage the journalists, the real journalists, to take the minute to look at his orders. There was no proof. And I couldn't prove that she didn't bring in the dress. There was no DNA. There was no expert. My experts were denied. Two of them, two of them were denied to come in. They didn't bring, let me bring up that Reed Hoffman funded Ms. Kaplan. And you know what we got in there? That my witness, who was her friend, who said that she is a drug addict and the drug addict is herself. That friend 
I found out in there was paid for by Ms. Kaplan's firm, and that is disgusting. That is a violation of everything I stand for, and that is why I stand with Trump. And that is why so many Americans are so proud that he is running again and so excited to run to the ballot box. But don't get it twisted. We are seeing a violation of our justice system. Ladies and gentlemen, you are not allowed to be stripped of every defense that you have. You are not allowed to be told that you can't bring it up. And imagine a point where a judge tells the lawyer before your client, the former president of the United States, the leading candidate and obvious nominee for the Republican Party, before he takes the stand to defend himself, Ms. Haba, tell me the questions you're going to ask in open court and tell me exactly what he's going to respond. And then edited my questions, edited the response he was allowed to give. And guess what my client did? He took the stand. He abided by the rules of this corrupt system that I have seen. We will immediately appeal we will set aside that ridiculous jury. And I just want to remind you all of one thing. I will continue with President Trump to fight for everybody's First Amendment right to speak. And good for her, man. And Trump, I'll tell you, man, Trump ends up, if there is an election, Trump ends up back in office, he better put her onto his administration, man, because this woman, she's on fire, man. And she, she, she's like a female Trump. She doesn't take any crap from anybody. And she brought up, I mean, this whole, this whole court case was just a violation of, of Trump's constitutional rights, 100%, absolutely everything. For them denying witnesses, from them not allowing them to bring in their defense, that's what court's all about. It was one big gigantic scam, and I'm glad that he's got her as an attorney um, because she seems to be pretty on point. And like I said, right then and there, she wasn't taking any crap from any of them. So next, uh, and I'll be bringing you more information. I found this right before I came on. Um, Vince McMahon of WWE has resigned from his roles as TKO executive chairman and from his position on the TKO board of directors per ESPN for accusations of child trafficking. So him and multiple wrestlers have now been tied into this whole child trafficking thing. And once again, today, Vince McMahon resigned officially from WWE and TKO, which is a, uh, mixed martial arts, uh, production company as well so he is now officially gone um and then finally uh and i'm gonna play this little clip too while everyone has been focused on texas the fda has just removed informed consent from anything that they deem minimum risk so without any politician voting on it the fda just forced all americans to be big pharma lab rats listen to this On a scale from one to ten, my friend. I wanted to bring your attention something that just is hot off the press and should concern everyone, and that's this. FDA eases informed consent requirements for minimal risk trials. What that means is that when the FDA believes that a clinical trial or investigation of a particular product could be a drug, could be a vaccine, could even be a medical device that's being tested. If it poses minimal risk, then the traditional need for informed consent can be waived. Of course, they don't define what minimal risk means, and there were only about 50 public comments when this rule change was being proposed. 
some of the comments brought up concerns that this rule change could be in violation with international standards, including the Nuremberg Code. So how could this possibly affect you, this new FDA rule? was not voted on by any politician. It was implemented by the FDA. Come over on the subscriber side and I'll tell you about it. So yeah, now they're, they're playing all these games as well and ultimately making us all lab rats. Um, will we abide by it? No, I'm going to go right back. Old, old, uh, soul Angie, learn holistic medicine. I agree with you hundred percent. This is the point where we all need to be at. I will never again, I'll never again be a lab rat. Cause I told you last night I was a lab rat one time for uh, Lyme disease, but that was before I smartened up a little bit. So that's some covering the news for today. Um, other than that, one more thing is uh, the Senate. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about this. This is the, okay. This is the Senate border deal details per source familiar that just had a call with. So this is, these are what they're trying to push through. This is not what we want. This is going to be one of two things. Either they're trying to play a game right here and the and the GOP is going to join in and we're going to end up with a bigger um, immigration mess or they're playing this game knowing that the GOP will not sign on to this so that once again they can point fingers at the GOP saying, see, they're the reason we're not getting any border and immigration deals going on. So this is some of the things that they're trying to put into this deal right here. Mandatory detention of all single adults. Mandatory shutdown of border once the average daily migrant encounter hits 5,000. So, so they're, they're only going to shut the border down if 5,000 or more people come over a day. So if they hit the 5,000 mark, they'll shut it down for the day and then they'll reopen it again tomorrow to allow another 5,000 people come in. So that's 5,000 numbers includes 1,400 CBP, one app entries at ports of entry per day and roughly 3,600 illegal crossings per day. So how is, the, how is that enforced? So once the 5,000 threshold is hit, a new authority is codified into law that requires Border Patrol to immediately remove illegal immigrants that they catch without processing. So they would not get to request asylum. They would immediately be removed. This includes removals back to Mexico. So this shutdown also takes effect if there is um, if there are 8,500 migrant encounters in a single day. Um, so under 75% of the 5,000 threshold for at least two weeks, this means that the shutdown authority would not lift until two weeks of an average of less than 3,750 migrant encounters per day. So basically, do the math on that. 5,000 a day for an entire year. That's a lot of damn people still. And that's not to mention the amnesty that they're trying to hand over um the amnesty they're trying to hand over to the immigrants that have already come into this country which is like millions and millions and millions and millions of people so once again which is which is this bill written for is this written for the gop to go okay we'll take that deal and then we're just screwed or is this another trick where they're trying to put this through knowing that the gop will not back it and then once again they can do what Mitt Romney did and blame the GOP for being the ones who are keeping the border open. Unbelievable. But once again, and this is a, this is a, that was written by Sinma out of Arizona and uh, Chuck Schumer. So good. Well, boy. And I'll tell you, man, I thought, I thought Kristen um, was different because she seemed to, you know, she, she didn't 
she didn't uh, abide by everything that they were trying to do. Matter of fact, she seemed to be kind of like a renegade in the G or in the Democrat Party. But apparently, she was nothing but another paid op pretending to be on our side for certain things, and then boom, this is where she goes. All right, so what's enough of that news for the day? We're gonna go through and talk about this for the next or for the rest of the show right here, which is uh, titled "How Does God Turn Evil into Good?" So. Um, How does God turn evil into good? How is it possible for something bad and hurtful to actually produce something good and helpful? So there are many ways that God turns um, what was meant for evil into good. And I'm going to talk about just four different ways right here. So first, God turns evil into good when our suffering ends up benefiting others. So one way that God turns evil into good is when our pain ends up producing something useful for many other people. So when our suffering teaches us something that we can teach others and thus helping many more people avoid pain because we endured pain, God is using what was meant for evil for good. And uh, I use this example right here as the official Godcast is a great example of this right here. What is the official Godcast? It's an opportunity for people to come together and to give their own testimonies. We've said before is that one of the most powerful things that we have is the testimony of our lives, our faults, the mistakes we've made in our lives, and then show where we are today by the fruits that we bear once we found that relationship with God. Um, Godcast does exactly that, allows people to come on, tell their stories, and then the lessons that we've learned in our lifetime can now be valuable lessons for somebody else without having to suffer the trials and tribulations that we had to go through as we were experiencing our life. So in Genesis 50, 20, um, as for you, um, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about to many people should be kept alive as they are today. Colossians uh, one twenty four. Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I am, I am filling up what was lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, that is the church. So next, is God turns evil into good when our suffering causes us to seek God more. Um, And I'll just use the example just in my life. I can only really give the examples that I've experienced. And I I know I sound like a broken record, but when I was working for uh, the Stars and working for the Spurs, greatest job I had to that point that I thought I ever had, loved the job, loved the people that I worked with until the day that I lost that job because of my political and my spiritual beliefs. And I was mortified for a long time. But then I realized that it was a blessing in disguise. We may not understand the things that God puts into our lives at the moment. We're like, God, why are you putting this in my life? What did I do to deserve this? And it's not that you did anything to deserve it, but God knows what's best for you way more than we know what's best for ourselves. So when God removed me from that job and he pulled all the old friends that I had, which weren't good people necessarily for me, they were were nice people but they weren't the kind of people that inspire me to greater things, which is our heavenly father. Those those weren't the type of people that I was around. So when I got removed from that job, um, months and months and months later, I started listening to God, started seeking God further. Just like it's saying here is that God turns evil into good when our suffering causes us to seek God more. And what did God do? He gave me another job, which is one for him that I wasn't doing before. And that is, you know, the Pains Angels videos, the shows that we're doing right now. It's devoted my life to God ever since then, and that's been my main focus. He removed poison from my lives and ended up replacing them with you guys, which are just uh, one of the most beautiful families I could have ever asked for. 
this family encourages me to be more spiritual, to seek God further, to have these conversations with Jesus. So once again, what I didn't understand then ended up being one of the greatest blessings that God ever gave to me. So another way that God can transform an evil circum or even circumstance into something good um, for us is by using our suffering to cause us to seek him more. So God is the best. So sometimes when we live a moderately comfortable lives, um, we are stuck in dangers of um, lukewarm waters. So God wants us to have passion for him. So sometimes he allows evil and trials to make our lives a little bit worse so that we are motivated to seek him more. So when we experience more of God's goodness because um, evil made us run to him, God has turned what was meant for evil into something good. So um, 2 Corinthians uh, 12, 7 through 10. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the uh, revelations, a thorn was given me in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, um, that it should that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So once again, you know, it's, you know, he puts things into your life, but ultimately you end up becoming stronger. You become better. You end up seeking him more. You build a, a stronger foundation to the relationship that you have with Christ. So like I said, um, and it's like that within life too. How, how, you know, rich people think that they've got it good, but you know what? Money doesn't bring happiness, love, or smiles. You know what I'm saying? So it's not bringing you the great things. Um, I was had this conversation with my mom earlier because, um, you know, we were kind of roaming. We were going through our town and, you know, there's a lot of old houses. A lot of things were built back in the 1800s and a lot of things, you know, are on the verge of collapsing. Some people still live in these homes. And she was like, gosh, I wonder how people live in these homes. And I'm like, it's all the perspective. It's all the way that we perceive things. You know, um, the devil would like to teach us that we need bigger things. And if you're not living in a mansion, then you're not live, living at all. But a poor person who is just happy to have a roof over their head, you know, it may not be the nicest house. It may be collapsing around them, but it's keeping the rain off their head. It's giving them a place to start a fire so they can stay a little bit warmer at night. It's all the way that we perceive things. Um, you know, and like I said, is, you know, sometimes, you know, I think the people that have what we would, you know, I would say the least on this earth actually have the most. So, um, so God turns evil into good when he empowers us to reflect, um, reflect him in trials. So another way that God can turn evil into good is being, using our trials as stages for us to reflect on God's glory. So God made us to glorify him. God is glorified when we bear his image. Sometimes the best way to bear the image of a holy God is against the backdrop of an unholy world. So when we are surrounded by evil and darkness, we can shine that much more brightly for Christ. And that's the thing, is it only takes a match to penetrate the darkness of a cave. That's the beauty of light. Dark, um, like darkness doesn't exist without light. Light doesn't need darkness to exist. And that's the thing is that, that Christ is love. Christ is light. Satan is darkness. 
evil is darkness and evil requires light or God even to exist to begin with. Just like love and hate rely on one another to exist because one wouldn't exist without the other. So, um, so once again, in 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7, and this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through it, um, it is tested by fire, may be found the result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Matthew 5, 11 through 12. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Philippians 1, 29 through 30. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Philippians 2, 14 through 16. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among who you will shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the world of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So the next one and the final one that I've got for this evening is God turns evil into good by glorifying himself through his gospel and grace. So the ultimate way that God turns what was meant for evil into good is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sin does not glorify God, but God uses sin for his glory by saving us from that sin. So when God sent his, um, sent his son to save us, he displayed his glory in the most profound way possible through the gospel that God redeems us of sin and evil and thus brings, brings himself immense glory. Therefore, when we allow God's grace to redeem us from our sins, God is turning what is meant for evil into good. So I'm going to read these couple of verses right here. I'm starting with Ephesians 1, 4 through 6, and then 11 through 14. In love, he predestined us um, for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. So according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, um, with which he has blessed us um, in the beloved. So in him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we were first or the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. In him, or in him you also, when you heard of the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with his promised Holy Spirit, who and um, who is to guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And then finally, Ephesians 2, 4-7, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love which, which he loved us, even when we were dead um, in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by the grace that you have been saved and raised us with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places of Jesus Christ, so that in the coming ages he might show immeasurable riches and grace and kindness towards us in Jesus Christ.
So there are multiple examples, like I said, just four, but there's multiple examples throughout Scripture of where God has not only taken um, evil and turned it into good and made it something that benefited others, but he's also taking questionable people and turned them into good. There was a point where Nebuchadnezzar um, admitted that, that, that the Lord of Abraham was like the God of gods, the highest of highs. We've got um, Paul, who literally ended up becoming one of Jesus' greatest apostles, going farther than any of his disciples or apostles gone before, spreading more churches in the area than anybody had before. So there's many examples of God taking questionable people and using them for good. There's many examples of God taking um, an evil intent and turning it around for good. And it's really, like I said, it's all about how we perceive it. It's, it's in the eye of the beholder. How do we perceive what God is putting into our lives? And like I said, there's multiple times, most times, we don't understand it when it's happening directly to us. We even ask God, like, why are you doing this to us? But once again, God always knows way more what is better for us than we know what is best for ourselves. So um, next time, you know, you're going through those trials and tribulations, which we all do. And I talk to people every single week, multiple times, um, people that you're like, gosh, you know, you don't deserve this. Jeff, Jeff's a great example of someone that you're like, you know, why would God bring illness into his life? Especially, I mean, this has been going on for six or seven months. Um, but Jeff is also the first person to tell you, I don't know what that lesson is, but I trust in God. And I know that God's got a reason for this and I'm going to, you know, figure out what that is. And I'm going to, you know, step up to the plate. And that's the thing. That's how we should all do it is instead of looking down on some of these trials and tribulations that we get into our lives, go ahead and pre thank God for putting that into our lives, knowing that we're going to figure out eventually why God has put this into our lives. So was it, is it to strengthen us? Is it to give us more courage? Is it to bring us closer to God? Is the lesson that God's giving in our life going to benefit and to help somebody else. That's the thing that we always have to remember is if you have faith in God, if you have that relationship with Jesus, then we know that there is nothing that's coming into our lives that we can't handle. And God will never put anything into our life that isn't either going to benefit us or benefit other people. But as Christians, even if our life gets as uncomfortable as it possibly can, if we realize that what's happening in our lives is to benefit other people, it makes it a whole lot easier because once again, we are in service to our Heavenly Father and all of us are willing to lay our lives down for our Heavenly Father the same way that he laid his life down for us. So guys, it is 11.58. Time got away from us again. So we will go ahead and do a get a little bit of prayer. Um, once again, before I even do that, I'm going to give you a quick little reminder. Uh, we may be on this weekend, depending on how Jeff feels. I'm going to keep in touch with him. i got a busy weekend ahead of us anyways. Monday night, we'll be back on at 10.30 as normal. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and so forth will be 9 o'clock Eastern time. Get going a little bit earlier. This allows Conley to get going a little earlier. Doug will be coming on, I believe, right after Conley. Scott right after that. Um, and then, or excuse me, then I will come on. Then Scott will be coming on right after that. So uh, once again, like I said, 9 o'clock, get you guys a little bit earlier. It gets me to work a little bit earlier so I can start trying to go to bed before 8 o'clock in the morning. We'll see how that works. It probably won't. But in the meantime, if everybody would please bow your heads, let's get into a little spiritual warfare. And my dog is right here. Every time I say pray, my, my dog walks right up to pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you again for another day. Thank you for all the beautiful and brilliant things that you bring into us. Thank you for the trials and the tribulations that you bring into our lives. Dear Lord, I know sometimes we don't understand it, and sometimes we in, in semblance curse you, and we don't mean to, dear Lord. We just don't understand 
how terrible things could happen to good people. But we do understand, dear Lord, that you put nothing into our lives that we can't handle. Sometimes our missions are going to be rough. But, dear Lord, you wouldn't have given us that mission if you knew that we weren't the ones that could carry it through. So, dear Lord, don't let us question what you put into our lives. Let us go ahead and thank you for what you have put into our lives and what's going to eventually come from it. Whether it be something in our lives that are going to make us better people, that are going to bring us closer to you, or help other people become closer to you, dear Lord, let it be. And thank you, dear Lord, for trusting us enough to put these trials and these tribulations into our lives. Father, things are getting more and more chaotic down here. I don't need to tell you. You're probably shaking your head just like I am every single day. But dear Lord, I thank you for giving me and everyone here a little bit more patience every single day, dear Lord, so that we can tough these times out. Dear Lord, give us the same patience with others that you have had with us that brought us to where we are today, dear Lord. Before we knew you, you knew us. Before we were working for you, we were working for you. We didn't even realize we were working for you, dear Lord. But that's the beauty is you, you have always been in our lives, dear Lord. And even more so now that we are serving you and we recognize you every single day for the beauty and the brilliance that you have brought to us in this earth. Dear Lord, thank you for the life. Thank you for blessing us with another day. But dear Lord, we got a lot of work to do. So dear Lord, never let us go a day without keeping our eyes in heaven. But another eye right here on this earth is we still have missions to do here for you, Father. You don't need us, dear Lord, but you still utilize us. And, and that's a great honor. And I thank you for that. Thank you, dear Lord, for putting us on the missions, no matter how scary some of these things may be, because we know that you are right by our side, dear Lord. Whenever we face Satan or the demon, you are right by our side, dear Lord, because we don't have the ability to, to remove demons. We don't have the ability to heal without you, dear Lord. We are nothing but conjoints. You are the source of all things. You are our highest of highs, the powerful Lord that we need, dear Lord, in our lives. And I thank you for giving us a mission during this time. I thank you for choosing us all to be here during this time. We could have been born at any other time in this world, dear Lord, but we're here to fight this great battle by your side. And I thank you for that. So, dear Lord, continue to let us step up to protect those that cannot protect themselves, the widows, the orphans, those of the innocence of children, dear Lord. Let us step up and step by those children and let's teach them who you are from the moment that they're born, dear Lord, so they can carry that through their entire lives. If this world had you in their hearts, dear Lord, we would not be in the chaos that we're in right now. But you knew this day would come and you promised, dear Lord, that you were going to call us all home and you were going to destroy the evil that was right here on this earth. And I believe with all my heart that you will, dear Lord. But I also believe that you are utilizing us during this time to help you with this. Said, so, dear Lord, if you call us to the battle, let us have the most courage we've ever had. Give us the wisdom and the discernment, dear Lord, during these times so that we make the moves that you need us to. And we're not falling for the devil's tactics. Dear Lord, please remove all evil and temptation from our lives and let us step up and be the greatest warriors that you've ever had. Let us repent daily, dear Lord, and thank you for forgiving us daily for the sins that we have, dear Lord. But continue, dear Lord, please to to polish up the armor that we have to keep that armor nice and strong so we do end up on the battlefield dear lord we have everything that we need dear lord if we're destined to die on that battlefield so be it the greatest honor that we could have dear lord is to lose our lives serving you just like you gave your life so we had a chance for eternal life and i thank you for that but dear lord finally i want to thank you for all the beautiful family that you have brought into our lives as we get bigger and bigger every single week dear lord every day our family grows we get more Christians, we get more warriors that are by your side in this battle, dear Lord. More people are waking up to the evil of this earth, and they are coming to you, dear Lord, in droves, reaching out for prayer like never before. And I thank you so much for giving us 
those little pieces of inspiration every day during these times of chaos, giving us these little subtle reminders that you are here with us every day, every moment, every second. And dear Lord, we need to utilize the time we have on this earth to make the seconds count until you call us home. We love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus Christ's name and our Heavenly Father's name we pray. Amen. Here you go, buddy. Yeah, you guys, I wish you could see it. This is my puppy. Uh, every time I even mention the word pray, he is right next to me with Paul in my, in my lap. He loves coming up here for prayer time. But guys, um, I love you all very, very much, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, we'll be back possibly this week, and I will put it on uh, Kilted Christian uh, Telegram if we do pop up. Um, but once again, like I said, I've told you about the time changes starting next week, except for Monday, we will be on after, um, Jay Wu's show. So guys, I hope y'all have an absolutely beautiful weekend. Go do something fun. Spend some time with your family, curl up to a good book, preferably scripture, probably the best book you can read. Um, get out there and enjoy nature. If it's, if it's nice outside, just walk away from the chaos. There's no point in it. We'll bring, bring you the news back on Monday, but I can promise you that 2024 is going to get a little bit more chaotic as we walk into each day. This month already flew by. I can't believe that it's already the end of January. We'll be in February next week. But guys, we got to remember this is that we've got this. There's no point in stress and there's no point in being fearful. There's no point in having any kind of anxiety because God has our back 100%. We can guarantee that. But guys, I love you all very, very much. I hope you have an absolutely beautiful weekend. And I leave you with this. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we held at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars For the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming, and the rockets regular, the bombs bursting in there, gave proof through the night that our flag. Say, does that star-spangled banner get away? Or the land of the free and the Thank you so much for listening to Kilt the Christian episode 531, turning bad into good. And as normal, I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it for you. For those of you that haven't read scripture, I know everybody here has. God wins, guys. Just go ahead. You start at the end of the book. You can venture back to the beginning, read that gospel. But the end of it, God wins. Simple as that. 
So fear not, stress not, let go of your anxiety, keep in prayer, pray, pray, pray more than you ever have. Spread that gospel from nation to nation. We have some service for our Lord to do right here, but God has given us everything that we need to get through these times, including one another. So stay unified, no more division. Let's come together. Let's change this world until God calls us home. Guys, I love y'all very, very much. Have an absolutely beautiful weekend. In the meantime, God bless.